I'm just, I'm obsessed about gut bacteria these days. Right, I've yep. been reading books for the last few months on it. Yeah, it really we, is we've done, amazing. We did, we did that <laughs> podcast with uh, Katie Stewart about uh, the microbiome yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, like so, it yeah. really is remarkable. But here we are, our little doggy friends here are helping to contribute to our children not suffering with uh, asthma and obesity and, uh, and allergies and so on. So I thought that was really, really cool. Whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough. Welcome to Dead Set on Living, a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer, stronger, and more fulfilling life. Now, here's your badass host who once fought a bear on the mountains of Corsica, Lynn Bravo. Welcome to another episode of Dead Set on Living. I'm your host, Lynn Bravo. Today I have with me in the studio, Tammy Allen, who's our producer of the Dead, Set, and Living podcast. Welcome, Tammy. Thanks, Lynn. It's a little uh, intimidating being on this side of the mic. It's so weird seeing you there. I know. (laughs) I never sit across from you. I have to try and and, uh, rise my, or raise my game up to uh, to your stellar yes, performances. Yes, and, and we were just saying you've got to make sure that you don't do all the things that you tell me not to yeah. do, like don't get too close to the mic. Yeah, don't <laughs> shuffle around, so we'll see how I do. Okay, we'll rate you later on. Okay, perfect. So the reason I asked if you'd like to do a podcast with me, Tammy, is that we're both uh, avid dog owners, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned my dogs on a few other podcasts, and, and it was I was thinking the other day, you know, really how important dogs are and have been in my life ever since I was a young child. And and I was sort of contemplating how they create a sense of health and wellness in us that that's really second to none from from any other sort of outside influence I think and and so I started thinking about that a bit more and and I talked to you about how you feel about your dogs and so on and and I've sort of talked to a lot of other people as well and they really pay play an important role in health and wellness I believe and certainly do in in my life and yours Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about owning dogs and and what they can do to enhance our lives and and sense of well-being so I think some of these things are probably obvious to people, I suppose. Like, uh, I think the first one that kind of came to my mind was, because I'm always referring to me walking my dogs all the time, is is how they contribute to my health and, and fitness and being active. For me, I'm, I'm walking my two dogs every day, uh, usually about an hour in the morning and another couple of sessions, half hour, 45 minutes uh, added up the rest of the day as a minimum and more if I can. So they really do keep me moving. And, and I, I've mentioned too that when I'm walking, I kind of do walking meditations with the dogs and, and uh, do other little exercises, little bits of sprinting here and there. So they get me up and out and I never miss walking the dogs. Like you have to, they need to go out. And so they really um, sort of have created a, a routine or a pattern in my life where I'm always out with them and, and uh, getting lots of fresh air and exercise. So, you know, I think there was, I've, I remember reading somewhere that we're, you know, they feel you should be getting like two and a half hours of exercise every week. And I think as dog owners, I say, I say we safely top or beat that yeah. uh, over the week. So we're, we're meeting the requirements of, of being healthy by having a dog. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, every morning it's the same routine. We have uh, we have two dogs at home, and uh, they're both rescues. And I grew up with no dogs. Uh, my my parents are both Portuguese, and to them, dogs were farm animals. And we always lived in the suburbs, so we always had cats and and birds, mm-hmm. and never had a dog. Always wanted a dog. It wasn't until I met my ex wife that she had a, a rescue, Sadie, 
And then further uh, on in our relationship, we got another rescue dog named Dover. And now they're with me uh, pretty much full time. And it completely changed my, I've always been an animal lover, but I feel like dog owners were like a different breed because if you're a dog owner, like you, you're like, there's a shirt that says dog mom AF, which is like as F word. Yeah. Dog mom as F. (laughs) And it's so true. Like, it's just like those, like, they're like my children. And I know people who have human children hate that comparison. Yeah. And I understand, okay, but they are like my children. You know, I don't have kids, but they are my responsibility. They look to me for 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 everything, right? And so the routine in the morning is you got it after you feed them, take the one dog because our older dog, Sadie, gets less walks throughout the week. But uh, Dover, he's like, okay, I'm done. Let's go. We got to go. Hit the trail. And he knows which way to go too. And, it, it, you know, there's no skipping it because he will whine. And he's like, I'm going to get under your skin until you take me. Yes. Yeah. So as soon as he's done eating, out the door for his first half of the day for his trail walk. And yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's and regardless if it's raining, snowing, it doesn't matter. Yep. I go out no matter what. There's mm-hmm. no weather that ever holds us back from getting out there. Just lots of towels when you come back if it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm one of those yuppies that put coats on their dog. Oh, really? You're one of those? <laughs> It's because Dover has been sprayed twice by do- by dogs, by skunks. And even though like we've gotten it out, that that spray stays in their fur. So yeah. every time he gets wet, oh, it comes out. It. Oh, okay. Right? Well, okay. I'll, I'll so I try. You yeah. We'll go with that is the only reason why I put coats on my dogs. Yes. Yeah. Actually, they're very cute. And, and, and I, you know, granted, like my dogs are German shepherds and, and they have very thick coats and it does can take quite a long oh, time forever. for them to dry out. So it's not a bad, a bad idea. But I just wanted to go back to a second to what you were saying that people who uh, aren't dog owners and perhaps have had children uh, sort of really turn their noses up when we say they're like our kids. And, and, but, you know, I've had both, like I have had a child and I've also had tons of dogs and not for one second am I saying a dog's the same as a human child but the depth of emotion is very similar like it's different because you know you perhaps go further obviously for your for a human child than you would your dogs but I don't know not much further like it it's amazing what yeah, I remember reading somewhere that if you go, uh, they did a survey and they asked people if you're going to be on a deserted island for the rest of your life, who would you bring? And 66% of them said their dog, like over their own husband or wife or loved oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just different. Like I'm with my dogs all the time, practically. So, you know, my, you know, you, you raise your children and they go off to school and eventually they leave home and so on. And they're not with you all the time, but your dog is a constant companion and it, the degree of attachment is really profound. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking earlier amongst ourselves that, you know, about how much money people will spend sometimes on medical treatments for animals and so on. But, you know, when you've loved your dog, like for my dog that just died recently, Ozzy, the golden lab cross, he was seven. 17 years old and you know had I been asked to 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 look consider doing a surgery that would have been you know one or two thousand dollars I wouldn't have thought twice but I would have sacrificed you know going out to the movies and dinner for the next five years to pay two grand to to, to have him treated because that dog was with me 
every day, even on my job sites with of my life, he gave his whole life to, to spend with me. And, you know, he would have deserved to have a treatment if, if it was going to help save his life. And, and I wouldn't for a second have felt guilty doing that. But I guess it's just, you know, sometimes people who, who aren't dog people just don't understand that depth of feeling that you develop for your dogs. No, they, they see it as an animal, right? In which they are. And, and I understand, you know, when you do have kids, obviously, you know, if you, this is a very dramatic scenario, but if you had your dog and your child hanging off of a cliff, which one would you pick? You know, I understand all, all of that, but I feel like dog owners get that depth of emotion, that attachment. Like you said, I mean, you're, you, just before we started rolling, you went out to grab a, a glass of water and both Iggy and Slash followed you out. Yeah. You know, because like, oh, she's gone. We got to go with her. And it's the same thing at home with me. Like if I go to the washroom, I go up the stairs. I have my one dog over, runs up the stairs and just sits outside and waits. <laughs> and it's just I'm literally going five feet away. because like, oh, you're leaving the room. OK, I got to go with you. Yeah. <laughs> and even though I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even go with a bat. But I kind of secretly love it. I'm like, I love how attached he is to me. And sometimes it makes my girlfriend laugh because she's like, you love that he's such a mama's boy. And I'm like, I kind of do love that he's a mama's boy. <laughs> Because he's just, it's unconditional and, and, you know, it doesn't matter. And that's why, I mean, I can go off on a tangent about a whole whole bunch of things about it. But that's why, like, I can't understand how people can try and, like, or harm a dog. Oh, I know. It's because unthinkable. They, they don't know and, like, they will still, like, wag their tail and love you after. And it just breaks my heart. But that's a whole other topic. I know. It drives yeah, me yeah. crazy. I, I do want to mention about being unconditional. I, I don't really honestly believe dogs do love unconditionally. It, because you and I are, are, are wonderful dog owners, mm-hmm. our dogs love us unconditionally yes. because we're kind and treat them yes. well and, and yep. look after them and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think dogs still do have an expectation of a certain level of interaction and commitment from you as a human being. And, and you know, I've seen dogs develop behavioral issues that suggest that you know they don't love their owners unconditionally because they're not being treated properly right so yeah that's you, a good point you, you, you know I've a lot of rescues have it's just like saying that dogs live in the moment in a way they kind of do like I tend to think that way about my dogs when I'm walking and I see them sniffing and looking around and that I try and imitate that just really enjoy my surroundings as I'm walking around but but the reality is they do have memory of past experiences and they do anticipate future things they aren't in the moment all the time so so I really you know a dog you you know a rescue dog clearly you can see it remembers the, yep. and any abuses it might have had if it if it if something happens they, it startles or relates to what's happened in its past and so on but I think I think the dog that I feel as though my dogs do love me unconditionally oh but it's because definitely. I'm a good a good owner, oh uh, yeah if you know what I mean <laughs> absolutely yeah and and I mean I think that sort of goes with with any kind of relationship that you have, even with, you know, your own kids, if you're not a good parent, they're probably not going to be super attached to you or think very highly of you. So yes, you have to be be a good dog owner for your dogs to love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thankfully... Uh, yeah I am which is good and so are you and and you can tell like well because they they just trust there's just so much trust there right Mm -hmm. like when I hug Iggy like he's the one who's more attached to me he's more of a mama's boy than Slash is and and so but that feeling of like when I Slash isn't is a little more independent thinking a little more wolfy in his behavior Iggy, you know, when I hug Iggy, he, a lot of dogs don't like to be hugged and it's something to remind people that dogs 
a lot of them by nature don't like to be confined or hugged or pinned, but, but I, Iggy loves that. And when he, when you hug him and he leans into you, like, I love that feeling of when a dog leans into you and it's just, you, you know, you can feel, feel how it much he loves it. It melts your heart, right? Know. You know, it's just like, they're just so comfortable and there's so much love and they just like sort of like nuzzle into you and you're just like, this is the greatest moment of my life. I know. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> So we talked about, you know, I think it's pretty obvious. And I think for, for older people, like people in their 70s and 80s, having a dog's great because it, it, it gets them active and gets them outside. And, and I know there's been showing, they've shown that older adults who have dogs that tend to have a lower body mass index and fewer mobility issues and less doctor visits, more frequent and moderate exercise in their life in general. So it can be a real health benefit for elderly folks. And I was interested to, to read about how dogs can improve, literally improve your heart health because they do lower your blood pressure. Like there's lots of evidence showing if you pet or stroke a dog and it immediately lowers your blood pressure. It reduces your cholesterol and the triglycerides. And interestingly, they showed that dog owners, when they do have a heart uh, incident, like a heart attack, they recover far faster than people who don't for yep. some un- you know, un- unknown reason. But they, so they, they, there's a lot to, to, uh, to show that heart health is greatly improved by being a dog owner. Yeah. And I believe it. I mean, I've seen, my mother was diagnosed with he- end-stage heart failure about 10 years ago or eight years ago now. And she doesn't have, they don't have, my parents still don't have dogs. They have uh, a cat. But we bring our dogs around often. My sister and her husband, they have uh, two bulldogs. She like she loves that companionship and how when they do something cute or when they like beg for a treat or roll over or do something like, like that, it just lights her up, right? And, and, you know, all of those sort of small gestures help in the recovery from I'm not only heart health or heart attacks, but just any kind of illness, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. When you have them there and – because I also feel like dogs too can sense, at least my dog. So I, I uh, suffer from anxiety ish, disorder and issues and I have a lot of panic attacks. I feel like, especially the, the younger dog Dover, the one who's more attached to me, the mama's boy, he is very quick to sense when I'm feeling that way. And what he'll do is he'll come off of his dog bed in the living room that we have and then he'll perch, because I'm not allowed on the couch, mm-hmm. on, our, on our new couch. But what he'll do is he'll come off his dog bed and then he'll sit, he'll perch next to me in front of me, like just by my feet. And then he looks, he like does like this turn, you know, like this like model turn. And he's looking at me, looking at me. And then usually I start crying and then I hug him and he starts licking, 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 and just, you know, making sure that I'm okay. And he knows, he, he knows automatically, I even if I haven't emoted that, you know, any kind of like crying or any kind of, it didn't, he just knows that, you know, she's feeling anxious. I'm going to going to sit next to her. Isn't that amazing? I yeah. think that's amazing yeah, and how dogs sense that. And my my dog, not because I don't I don't suffer with any sort of anxiety issues, but I know I've been, you know, feeling down or sad about something, uh, you know, maybe having a, a loss or something in my life. And I remember Ozzy used to be so sensitive to that, my other dog, my the golden lab. And uh, like he always loved, he always had dollies, like stuffed oh, dogs. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. some of them were quite big, you know, like two or three foot long dogs. <laughs> dogs and he used to love to wrap his arms around it and then just suckle on it like it was his mama and uh so he would be really loved his dolly whatever dolly he got a new one every christmas and if i was not feeling 100 percent, 
he used to go and get it and bring it to me for me. Like he used to come and put it on my lap. Like here, mommy, you can hug this for a while. It makes me feel better. Yeah, they, they're very. <laughs> like that's so cool that he so would know that because he wouldn't share his dolly with anyone. Exactly. Normally. Exactly. But they, he knew. Like he knew if I was off, and to him that was his gesture of compassion was to let me share his dolly. <laughs> yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're home by yourself and you're feeling that way, feeling down, feeling anxious, you know, it's so much nicer and easier when you have your dog there because you know for me too it's like it's another living thing that I can talk to I know it's not going to talk back to me but you know some people might find that strange that I talk to my dog like it's a real person but it's also they're they're there to comfort you Mm -hmm. and they give you you know like sort of like letting you know like it's it's okay like you can lean on me you can give me a shoulder yeah you can have a shoulder and not all I'll be here for you. Well, I think I don't think that's strange at all. I talk to my dogs yeah, all the time. All the time. And yeah. And, and not, not just talking to them as dogs, but I might be talking to them about things about myself, like just some something to talk to or to, you know, just to, to... Sometimes, you know, when you're trying to work through a problem, just hearing yourself talk about it out loud helps you work it out. And it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. You might feel silly doing that alone, but when there's a dog there, it yeah, feels like it's, it's okay. It's like, a, it's like another person is there, even though, you know, I know they're not people. Yeah. They're our little animal people. My old dog, Ozzy, was was a therapy dog. He helped adult brain injury patients. Mm-hmm. I used to take him to the adult brain injury in Hamilton to, to be with the patients there. But the one thing I used to love doing with him, talking about talking to dogs, is they have a, in the library in Hamilton, they had uh, for immigrant children, a English as a second language class where they were teaching English to the children in the, in the library mm-hmm. um, after school. And I was one of several people who'd bring their dogs in to those sessions. So the children would be practicing reading their English to the teachers that were there, the, the, the volunteers and so on. And I was always found it interesting when you watch them trying to read to the uh, adult humans, they were, you know, embarrassed and shy and, and talking really quietly and afraid to try s- pronouncing words and that you could see and the, the way they kept looking at the teacher, embarrassed and whatever. And they're just this feeling of being judged by the teachers. But then after they'd had their little session with the teachers, then it was our turn and we used to bring our dogs in and they'd break the group up into, I might have three children with my dog. And they all get to give Ozzy a little treat and pet him and sort of cuddle with him for a few minutes. And then they all had a turn reading the book to my dog. And it was just mind-blowing how completely differently these children behaved reading to a dog than they did to an adult, Mm. a human. And so... They, you know, they'd be reading away and, and using his name and saying, Ozzy, and then they'd read a little bit of the book and ask him questions. And I really thought it was cool that they still weren't necessarily pronouncing words well or properly, but they, and words they couldn't pronounce, they, they tried to, and mm-hmm. they, they, they did it as best they could. And they were smiling and happy and there was just, they were unconscious about their behavior. It was just amazing yeah, to see. Because they didn't feel that, that threat of judgment. Not that those teachers necessarily were volunteers were judging them at all, but there's that perception that, you know, this grown up, this adult is, you know, looking at me to read properly and to say everything correctly. But with a dog, it's, you know, there's there's no judgment. There's just no threat. There's just my buddy. And I'm going to just try the best I can. And this dog's still going to love me and sit here yes. and take a treat for me. Yeah. Because exactly. that's that's what they do. You were talking about talking to your dog. It's been de- demonstrated that lots of children talk to their dogs and they are more comfortable expressing their true feelings and emotions to their family pet, their dog, than they are to their 
mom or dad or their siblings. So there's there's a real value to creating a connection between children and their feelings. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you hear about the benefits of dogs for babies with regards to their immune system no. and their health? Yeah, I was reading about... Um, I think it was Medical News Today, we did an article. They showed that people who had dogs in their family and their babies age zero to three months old mm-hmm. were exposed to their dogs mm-hmm. in a normal way. There was a transfer of two specific bacteria from the dogs to the baby. Okay. And one of them was a gut bacteria called Ruminococcus. Okay. And the other was the Ocellospira. Oslospira, I think it's pronounced. And the, the ruminococcus is uh, what causes reduced allergies in children. So if they're exposed to, and they have that gut bacteria introduced to their mm-hmm. bodies as a young child, they tend not to develop allergies as, oh, wow. they, as they mature. And I've also read the same thing for asthma. And then also, interestingly, this oscillospira or spira bacteria creates a reduced obesity risk in kids as they mature. So I thought that was my... I'm just... I'm obsessed about gut bacteria these days. Right, I've yep. been reading books for the last few months on it. Yeah, it really we, is we've done, amazing. We did, we did that <laughs> podcast with uh, <clears throat> Katie Stewart about uh, the microbiome yeah, and all that stuff. Like so, it yeah. really is remarkable. But here we are, our little doggy friends here are helping to contribute to our children not suffering with uh, asthma and obesity and uh, and allergies and so on. So I thought that was really, really cool. And, and they say, you know, even le- obviously later on in the child's life, being exposed to dogs is it strengthens the immune system in mm-hmm. every way. You know that expression like yeah. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, like I'm 35 and I didn't have dogs, but I always had cats and they're outdoor cats. And But I also found that there was maybe one or two children in our entire school that had an allergy of some sort. It yeah. was very rare. And now all these kids have allergies. Now, I mean, this may not might not have anything to do with dogs, but <laughs> I just I found that you know, kind of strange. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that everything's so sterilized now. And when you have a dog, it's not always so sterile because you're going out with the dog, you're in the mud and the grass yeah. in the park. And the dog's bringing all those contaminants exactly. in on its fur and, and, exactly. and their own their own bacteria that's in their, their bi- digestive system is going to get, you know, lick, being licked by the dog mm-hmm. or the child playing with the dog. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I do agree that it's this overly sterile. Well, I, I think it's been shown that a lot of these allergies and difficulties children are having is because they don't have a fully developed a microbiome yeah like they are missing yeah, so many in. bacteria in their system because of over cleanliness i really feel like whether it's as a couple or with a, you know a couple with children or a, you as a child when you were raised having a dog i think really brings a family closer together uh, and it, there's just so many things that, that animals can teach children, I think, as well. Obviously, you know, even a very, very young child can be given the responsibility of petting the dog nicely and giving him some love and attention. And then a little older, they might help feed the dog. And eventually, when they're older, walking the dog and so on. So based on the child's age and level of responsibility, you're giving the child the opportunity to care for another living thing. And I also feel that it's they learn how to treat, because they're treating their dogs with kindness and tenderness and compassion and caring they they that tends to translate to treating people that way as mm-hmm. well is your iq is intelligence your eq is your emotional intelligence and and there's 
belief there out there that that the child's emotional intelligence is more important than uh, teaching them to read and write, for example. Like teaching your child to have a you know empathy for others and ability to understand and connect with other human beings is profoundly important. And I think dogs help with that because children tend to be pretty self-absorbed, right? Mm-hmm. All they think about is themselves. And when you have a dog in the family, it allows them to have to look outside of themselves more and uh, draws them away from being so self-absorbed, having to give to another animal like that. With dogs, I think children learn how to read people because Mm -hmm. dogs can't talk but dogs have tons of verbal cues you know the way they're holding their ears their tail their their look in their face their their body language like children learn how to read the moods of dogs and then that helps again to translate to how to read people better it'll help them you know read the room as they say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without someone actually you know saying something with words being like hey that's making me uncomfortable hey I don't want to do this you know they can kind of gauge that just by looking at the person's body language yes yeah I know I was reading somewhere about stress that with with children yeah like children with dogs have far less cortisol in their system less Mm -hmm. stress hormone uh, because of their interaction with their dogs and uh, children with dogs tend to as a as a young adult or teenagers and young adults are more assertive and more out there, you know, they tend to, to have learned to be uh, more open and assertive with themselves to, to, to get what they need and, and not be so uh, introverted or, or not taking or, or asking for what they need in, in a certain situation. So there's so many advantages, I think, to mental health for, for as well having and just evolving as a good human being by having a, a dog in your family. I was thinking about sleep. I, I don't let the dog sleep in my bed with me because there wouldn't be any room like they're two <laughs> 95-pound German shepherds. <laughs> yeah, they're big boys. But the two of them together make a, a big one big human being yeah. in the bed. So, But they sleep right beside me on, the, on, the, on their beds, beside the bed. And there's just something really lovely about having them there, that, that feeling of security of having your dogs there and the companionship. And if my husband warns away, it's not that I'm, a, you know, I don't feel afraid being alone or anything, but there's just something really nice about having, hearing my dogs breathing beside me. And, uh, and uh, to be honest, especially if Warren's not around, if there's a thunderstorm, I have to admit that they do introduce themselves into the bed in the form of <laughs> slash goes up and curls himself like a minx stole around my neck and shoulders <laughs> and Iggy's crawling under my arms wanting to spoon you know so, <laughs> so uh, there are the odd time they make it into the bed as well but just just really not, I just feel like I have a better sleep and and it's just a it's a very restful f- wonderful feeling having your dogs nearby when you're sleeping do you yeah. feel that way? yeah and we, uh, Laura and I so my girlfriend and I we don't let the dog sleep in the bed with us because again they're they're not as big as as Iggy and Slash, but they're pretty big dogs. But when, uh, uh, because Laura is a police officer with the city of Toronto, so she works shift work and she works overnights. And so when when that's the case, uh, my one dog, uh, the younger one, Dover, will hop into into bed, and he it's not he won't go to the foot of the bed he won't go no he has to be like touching you like up against you yeah and it's you know how they say like they sell like those weighted blankets that's supposed to give you a sense of security yeah well that's what like dogs are and I, I can't remember where I read this or heard this from but uh especially people who have stress or anxiety issues uh it's the rhythmic breathing of your dog next to you when you're sleeping um, just that motion and that sound it's very relaxing and calming and it gives you a sense of uh, security and also like they're they're very warm 
right? So especially in the winter, it's fantastic. And it's just, yeah, just the sound of their breathing and the movement, especially if you're clutching them, spooning them. Yeah. Um, it's very, very soothing. My, my fondest memories of Ozzy, I did it with him. I do it with these shepherds now and then, but with him, I did it all the time. Every winter, you know, when the sun angle drops and it shines in through your window and there's a carpet in our living room, I used to all the time, like at some point in the day, try and lie on the carpet, spooning Ozzy and just yeah. hugging him and just having that sort of meditative dozy time lying in the warmth of the sun with your dog and like the connection to him was profound. Like, it, it, you know, now that he's gone, it's that memory of that that's probably most profound for me of feeling connected to him still is remembering just being right snuggled up tight and close to him and feeling his breathing and, and having him, you know, the way they make that little... Yeah, Sound like they're, with their always, mouth. they're always tasting something. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the sign of utter contentment is when they kind of smack their lips and, like, and I can still like, hear like, it in my mind, him doing that. Like, oh, mom, I just love this. <laughs> Do you find that having a dog affects your social life in any way? Like, you know, when, not not so much with your, your girlfriend, of course, but... Well, maybe. I mean, you know, I, they'd say that, that, that dogs can affect a relationship between couples oh absolutely right? somehow there's a it creates a bridge or a bonding between the dog and and you as a couple uh, and and also but I was mainly thinking in terms of <clears throat> like when you go out uh you know say you do go to a dog park or even just walking your dog don't you find like your whole life's way more social when you have a dog oh yeah like just yeah, strangers and and that's that's actually the first thing that popped into my head when you mentioned that because uh because of my anxiety I have social anxiety as well so when I'm around strangers people I don't know very well I'm ten I tend to be very quiet and but Hard when to imagine I it's, <laughs> <laughs> trust me you put me in a room with people I don't know and you can't get two words out of me it's oh, really? like it takes okay. me a while it takes oh, me a while interesting. but when I'm when I'm with my dogs and we go to the dog park or even if I'm just walking them along the path and we meet another dog I'll talk to the owner which I never would have talked to that person if I didn't have my dog with me you know it but you know, he sort of, my dog will sort of open the door and be like, okay, talk to this human while I, you know, sniff his dog's butt. That's me talking to him. <laughs> and you talk to this human for a bit and, you know, and I've carried on like lengthy conversations, especially in the dog park. Dog people are so nice. Yes. Like, I don't know as if I've ever met a dog person that wasn't a really nice yeah, person. Yeah, just friendly. You know? Yeah. You know, it's... I feel like the, well, maybe it's because of owning a dog that it makes you a little more extroverted and friendly to others, but... But I've always found that dog people are just really, really nice people. I wanted to go back a little bit to, to, to dogs that help people that have issues like anxiety, but also mental illness as well. I have a family member who's bipolar and she has a dog uh, recently now that's part of her life. I have to say it's been very transformative for her. She's, she's uh, in her 30s and I, the, the, some of the things I've sort of observed, I think this dog ha has brought to her life is is adding meaning and purpose mm -hmm. to her life for one thing, because she's been struggling a lot with uh, with different situations in her life and having the dog, you know, having to get up and walk it and feed it and look after it and give it lots of attention and love and it being there when, and it, again, like many dogs, it just intuitively knows when she's struggling with either manic or depressive behavior. And he comes along and just seems to know and does all the right things and, you know, does silly things, makes her laugh and all these sorts of things. He's quite the clown, this dog. And so I think it's lovely to see how 
a, a dog can help someone who's struggling with things like serious depression and mm-hmm. anxiety and so on. And, um, you know, they've, 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 they've also shown how therapy animals, like whether it's your own service dog or whether they, you know, like I did bringing my dogs elsewhere. It's just wonderful to see like the brain injury clinic I took it to these are people who have serious brain injuries and and aren't able to function well cognitively and so ah it just used to be you know almost bring tears to your eyes when you saw how these people these these were all adult men would react with with my dog and how joyful they were and they would uh, my dog was really really great with being uh overwhelmed by other people mm-hmm. he handled mm-hmm. it really well and you know I would have him do little little tri- like you know they I'd let them give them him a few of his treats and then I'd say okay Ozzy bow for everybody and he'd bow down and and then they'd all rush him and say oh we love you Ozzy we love you Ozzy and they'd all be hugging him and kissing him on the head and petting him there might be five or six adult men swarming the dog and it was just such a delight to see you know, because when I when I'd come in, these these men were were pretty non-reactive, right? They were they were just sitting around and not doing too withdrawn. much, and yeah, mm-hmm. and they it's just like it was the highlight of the day getting to interact with a dog. You know, it's just so lovely to see what joy they can bring people. Yeah, well, I I uh, a couple episodes ago we talked you were, t- were talking, I believe it was with Michelle about people who struggle with mental illness. They tend to just sort of exist within their own little world mm-hmm. and just it's just them and nothing else but like with your family member having a dog now for her it's about more than just her so that for, sort of it gives you the the necessary force to sort of start living inside your own bubble because there's this thing that's depending on you yeah, yeah. as much as it's as the dog is there to help to help you and you know sort of look after you you also have to look after this dog, right? So it sort of forces you to come out of that seclusion. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it just snowballs from there because then you take the dog out for a walk and you might talk to people. And Yeah, like it really has a, 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 her world retracted to just herself practically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as it often does. Like, yeah. you know, you, you, you have a larger group of, you know, classmates, friends, whatever, and then it shrinks down to just a few friends and then it shrinks down to your mom and dad and then it can shrink down to just you at some point. And and he was really instrumental in in re-expanding. It was like rehydrating a raisin, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Having this dog just changed everything. It was wonderful. Yeah, and most of the time when when people hear service dog, they think it's someone who's blind Mm -hmm. um, or somebody who's immobile, whether it's from an accident and whatnot. But, you know, they're service dogs for, they're they're put into situations for all kinds of things like diabetics, people who have seizures, people with mental health issues, um, people who are prone to heart attacks, like strokes. Hearing impaired. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they, and it says something about dogs themselves that they can be trained for all these. So the, someone who's blind is not going to need the same kind of um, intuitiveness than somebody who has a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be some similarities, but the fact that they can adapt to all these situations to help all these different people, that says a lot about Isn't dogs. that amazing? Yeah. Well, you know where I think that comes from, though, is that 
dogs are the only animal in the whole world that have evolved with human beings, like mm -hmm. from millennials, millennia ago. Yeah. You know, for thousands of years, dogs came into, you know, slowly found their way into the hearts and, and uh, <laughs> you know, homes of, of human beings even back in, in prehistoric times. So it, they are really the only animal who's evolved with human beings. So, so it, it kind of makes sense in a way that they would have over history learn to read and understand human beings right like they, they they you're just bringing out they all have that innate ability to connect with us on many many levels and if we ask them to enhance one level of connection uh, so that they can be of assistance to us in in special situations and it makes sense that they have that ability to hone that skill to be able to it's help us they're it's they're a special breed that's for sure i know them. they're just great. we're so lucky to have them dogs in the uh, the workplace was just something i wanted to mention too mm -hmm. like every time i do a podcast we've got our, our two little german shepherds yeah. here yeah right hanging now out. we have them i have one to my right and then one just by my feet yeah and so and, and uh, that's yeah. that's a that's something I've done all along with my dogs. Like uh, I've always trained my dogs so that they could come with me just about everywhere, uh, you know, only places where they aren't allowed or in stores or in a in a restaurant or whatever. But I do bring them just about everywhere with me. So when when I was a landscape architect, I had Ozzy for the longest time, just him. But I trained him to be able to come on my job sites with me off lead like he was never on a lead but I trained him to always keep me in sight because I was working on job sites where there was heavy equipment and machinery and people working and the first thing he learned as a puppy is don't pee on their lunch pail so their lunch <laughs> their cooler bags yep. don't pee on the handles of their tools because mm -hmm. for some reason that's what he wanted dogs just seem to go for those things so first of all was the training on what not to pee on and then the next was to keep me in sight at all times like because I was busy engrossed in my work I had to know he was always near me so he didn't wander off and get hurt and uh, like he was just such a well-behaved dog he would just go off eventually after he had a little sniff around he'd just lie and watch and watch what was going on but I was able to take him and then when I got the two so Ozzy was nine years old when I got the two shepherds and then uh, I brought them on my job sites and I let Ozzy train them I oh, never yeah. trained the shepherds the shepherds, I never had to yeah, say anything the to the shepherds. Like, hey, Ozzy was the old, the old guy. Ozzy yeah. was their king. Mm -hmm. and they had the utmost respect for Ozzy. They never, ever, uh, you know, he was like their golden leader. Ozzy taught them everything. So I, I was after, you know, I've just lost Ozzy now, but he, I can take these two guys with me anywhere and they'll keep me in sight and they are perfect. Oh, you know, yeah. To, to yeah they, never, they never leave your vicinity. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's like a we're little pack mentality that we have together. So so you can train your dogs if you're doing outdoor work like I am. And, um, you know, asking at work if you're in an office, like they've shown so many cool things about dogs in the workplace and how they calm other people in the office. I know Alan, when he worked in Toronto, used to take Frankie. And, yeah. And it was always great because Frankie was just, he'd sleep under his desk and his bed or he'd walk around a little bit and say hey to people but it just makes people smile it makes them relax you as the dog owner you know taking little breaks to take them out for a pee or a poo but it just <laughs> it just refreshes yeah, your mind again yeah, right to get up and, from the desk yeah. and just start moving around and then you get and... to say hey to everybody as you're walking by and everybody telling your dog how cute he is and it, it, it really can be, uh, certainly reduces stress, but it, it, it just sort of elevates the whole feeling in the office having yeah, a dog. Yeah, it boosts the morale for sure. You know, you see, someone brings a dog in and they're like, oh, I know. look how cute, look how cute. And I think, I think a lot of 
places of employment should should I mean it's not for every setting obviously no no it but can't work for, everywhere for, but... for the ones that you know it makes sense I they should look into implementing that you know maybe not a permanently full-time but you know you have like bring your dog to work every Wednesday or yeah like you know Ryan who did the uh the intermittent fasting podcast with me he's my boxing trainer and trainer you know I have my dogs come with me every time I go I go three times a week to be trained by Ryan at the gym and the gym and the two dogs come with me all the time like it's just because I've trained them to be or when they Aussie trained them so well that I'm able to take them with me off lead and into that environment and they just hang out and they, if I move off to another area they'll just follow me or they'll find a sort of a center spot and watch me and moving around and they'll just stay in the middle mm-hmm. they don't bother anyone else they don't go bugging people or sniffing people they're just there to hang out and so so you know that sort of brings me to sort of our last topic I wanted yeah. to talk about and that's you know improving the health and wellness of our pets mm-hmm. you know they they do so much for us in improving our health and wellness and and what can we do to improve theirs? And me talking about being able to bring your dog to so many places like that and make them a part of your life is all because of training. And I, you know, I think it's one of the biggest problems I see is is people not training their dogs well. Because if your dog isn't trained well to um, be its best self with you, you spend a lot of time, you know, saying, no, no, stop, don't do that, get back, sit down, you know, go go to your bed, go to your bed. You know, you're, you're yelling at your dog half the time because it's misbehaving and doing things that you don't want it to do. And, and the dog is getting a lot of negative feedback from you. And if the dog's well-trained and, and you're able to have him do what he needs to do in any particular situation, the dog knows what it's what it's expected of, what's expected of it, and is living a really calm, relaxed life because it's always being a good boy or good girl because he's he's behaving well in all these situations. So, to me, the number one thing we need to do for health and wellness for our dogs is train them. My son Alan and I are both certified dog trainers. We don't do it professionally. Oh but wow! Yeah, we I didn't we, know that we uh, we were trained by a gentleman down in Niagara Falls on dog training and we did you know scent detection and all the protect you know the personal protection mm-hmm. where we had to wear the big suits and the dogs yep. attack you and all yeah, that yeah. yeah it was just a hoot it was great that's awesome but what we learned from that experience uh, with our own dogs is for example uh, some key points i'd like to share is, is that one of the big mistakes we saw a lot of people making and and i still see people doing is when you get a puppy puppies are so tiny and cute that we tend to let puppies do things that we wouldn't want them to do as an adult dog right like get up on your furniture if you know depending on what your beliefs are on that but or or jumping up on you or nipping you and biting you and and these behaviors that are all what we think is typical puppy behavior and just their their cuteness factor that they end up getting away with a myriad of activities and and uh, behaviors that become a real nuisance when they're an adult and in, and it's just not fair in my mind to let a puppy go through four or five months of its life with it all being okay yeah and all of a sudden when it's nine months old and all leggy and gangly and goofy and, and stupid big. yep all of a sudden you know no you can't get on the bed no you can't get on the couch and stop jumping on people and stop barking and all these other things and you know stop you know pestering people to get them to pet you all the time and not leaving people alone and all those things that can be so annoying when the dog's bigger 
you've now you're trying to stop it so you're constantly shouting and screaming at the dogs to stop and that if you just don't let them do it in the first place right and all you have to think of is it do I want this dog doing this when he's an adult you know a 30 pound dog or a 50 pound dog or a 150 pound dog so so that's the biggest mistake I see is people not training their dog at a young enough age to behave well um and then once they're old enough four months old and up you know just train your dog like just even the 10 basic commands because with with ozzy i could on a job site say you know i i would just i could he was trained with hand signals i didn't even have to say anything i just show a hand signal drop my hand he he lay down and he wouldn't get up again until i told him okay you can get up yep the release word yeah, yeah so you have a release word and so it was great. Like he could come and virtually be anywhere as these guys can because they were trained and, and made their life so easy. And uh, it gives them a structure that they can understand. Mm-hmm. I was always saying, you good boy, you know, good boy waiting for mommy and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of screaming at them, get back here. <laughs> yeah. And I think the flip side of that too is, you know, for people who say, well, what happens if we um, adopt a dog from a from a shelter, if we get a rescue? And you know, can you get rid of some of those behaviors, some of those traits? So when we adopted Dover, we got him from from the shelter. He was very quiet, very timid. He has some fear aggression. We think they're not sure what his background story is. He was from uh, Georgia down in Atlanta. And um, they, the Niagara Dog Rescue brought, brought him from a high, high kill shelter down there. And he was very quiet, never really barked. But Sadie um, is, you know, she's the guard dog, right? So people walking by our front window, she would bark. And, you know, people coming into the house that were strange, she would bark. And she taught him that behavior. So I said, if Sadie can teach him that behavior, you know, you can teach your dog too, even if you don't have them from a puppy. Yeah. You can teach them certain behaviors that you want to instill in them. And so, because I know that that's, that's a common thing with a lot of people who rescue dogs and adopt um, dogs that aren't puppies mm-hmm. like well these behaviors were in, like I, I didn't have this puppy this dog since it was a puppy so all these behaviors and, and training like I can't you can't teach teach an old dog yeah tricks. no you yes, definitely you can. can when I when yeah. I lived in Burlington I did a little bit of work and then I moved so I didn't carry it on but that's what I was doing with my dog training skills was going to the animal shelters mm-hmm. and helping them by training their dogs to be uh they're just the base basic 10 commands so that so that they were more adoptable and uh, if they already had basic skills of being able to walk on a leash and sit and sit stay and down and down stay these types of things and coming when they're called which mm-hmm. is the tough one yeah recall, the is, the recall number, is the number yeah, one we, difficult we had a, a behaviorist come and work with our dogs uh, when we got dover and the recall was the number the toughest one yeah 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 it's it's the only uh, I, I'm not a believer in treat rewarding dogs mm-hmm. for training them because it's so easy to train them without the treats. Uh, treats are used as a little bit of an incentive with young puppies and so on and for just learning and initiating the, re- the behavior. But but the, the recall, the recall is the only thing we ask dogs to do that isn't a normal dog behavior. Like in, in a, a wild situation, right. where dogs would never 
no one would be calling them to come back exactly. in, in any situation. But sitting and lying and staying, those are things that they understand. So, but the recall is the only command that we were taught that you have to use food for, but not every time. One out of three times you recall your dog, you should reward them with a food reward because they view it as being like a, a slot machine for treats. Like, okay, you're not going to give them a treat every time, but are you going to give me one this time? I'm going to come and yeah, find I'm gonna out. Run them see. Yeah. But, but they, they did a lot of testing and it's one to three. As long as, as long as over a, you know, 10 recalls, you've treated them uh, three or four times out of that 10 times, then they'll usually always come back on a recall. But it's super easy to do. You just, because you, all you're doing on a six foot lead to start with, with, with a treat. And, uh, and then you go to a 10 foot and then a 20 and then a 30 foot lead. And then, um, and then you're off lead and away you go. They should be solid at that point. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that, that yeah. little tip. Yeah, because recall is the hardest one. Yeah, it, it's it's not impossible. It, it, most, like, there are dogs that have been so badly damaged, uh, you know, the, from these rescue um, shelters and so on, that it can be really, really hard. My neighbors got a rescue that these, these two brothers, uh, they're bull mastiffs, so they're going to be 140-pound dogs. That's a big dog. And they, they've been so badly damaged, like, they have no socialization at all with human beings and... Um, she, I, I suggested that she split them up for one thing because they were just playing off each other. So she found another home for the brother. But it's just it took it's taken maybe two or three months just to build his confidence that he can trust her. Yeah. Because she wanted me to help him train them, but I couldn't do anything with them because he had no trust at all. And so he's just getting to the point now where he's starting to trust. And it's that fear aggression too. That's it's hard to get past. You know, it took. It took about a year with Dover for him to get past the fear. It was with men. Mm. He has some fear mm-hmm. aggression with men. And so he doesn't growl anymore. He still puts his tail between his legs if it's a man that he's not familiar with. But he won't, he won't like her, you know. Yeah. He won't yeah. do any of that. So, yeah, you, you can totally teach an old oh, dog yeah. tricks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So a couple of other things I just wanted to mention about a dog is, is spending quality time with your dog. Like mm-hmm. it, as great as dogs are, you, you shouldn't have a dog if you're not going to be able to spend time with it. The notion of having a dog appeals to a lot of people. But if you're going to be away from six in the morning till eight at night and your dog, and I know people who do that, their dogs are in a crate it, oh. for like 12 hours a day in their house. And that is just cruel. It really is. It dogs is. are so social and some breeds more than others that, that you just can't do that to a dog. Well, it's, it's funny because when we adopted Dover, he was with a foster family, a foster mother. And so she was a nurse, a nurse and she had two young kids. And so she would crate him for part of the day. And so when we got him, my, uh, my wife at the time said, oh, we should crate him because, you know, and I said, I'm not crating him. I said, I'm not putting him in a crate. I don't care if he destroys the furniture. You know, we both, she's a real estate agent, so she makes her own hours. I make my own hours. So we were both able to be home most of the time or at least to be able to go home when we need to. And I said, I don't care if, if in the beginning he like rips apart furniture. I'm not putting him in a crate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's just terrible. Like I mean, as, as wonderful as dogs are, like, you know, it's just just please don't consider having one if you can't give the dog your time. Yeah, if if and that's I think that's the number one thing, you know, I, I know so many people that they work like a 9 to 5 and the dog is home for those 8 hours whether they're crated or not, but they have no socialization. There's no secondary pet there with them yeah. to keep them company. And I'm like that's so sad. 
But I do like, know people who have long work hours, but they have dogs, but they do the right thing. Their dogs are in a doggy daycare. Yeah, for or the they day. have a walker. They have come walkers in. that yep. come. Yeah, you and know, that's at least once, thing. if not three times during the day, yeah. to get their dog out and socialize and have some fun in the dog park and so yeah. on. And and yeah, so so if you're going to have a dog, make sure you've got the time to devote to it or the 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 wherewithal to be able to pay to have them looked yeah. after when yeah. you're not being there. Speaking of dog walkers, you know, that's another good solution if you love dogs. I have several clients of mine actually that are dog walkers. Like they don't want to have a dog yeah. because it, you know, they're traveling a lot and it pins them down or they don't want the expense or they don't want to devote the time to the dog, but they walk other people's dog at 5 days a week. Yeah in walking other people's dogs and they love it because yeah. it gives them that wonderful experience of playing and walking and being with a dog but then they can go back and leave it behind it's like what I call like part-time parenting when you have yeah. like a niece or a nephew or a grandchild you're just like oh I love your dog okay back to the parents you go see yeah. ya see you tomorrow or see you next <laughs> week and yeah that's that's probably my number one thing with people and I find it's a lot of people who get puppies and you know for Christmas or whatnot and you know it's so cute it's a novelty and then they're like, oh, like this is because people don't realize how much responsibility a dog is, mm-hmm. you know, and some people might not think that responsibility is worth it. Right. So you be informed before you get a dog, whether it's a puppy or a rescue, it doesn't yeah. matter. And and if like a pu- they'll tell you, like, there's no way you can buy a puppy and or get a puppy from a shelter and not have a crap load of work to do for the next six, seven, eight months. It's to a get lot a dog, of work. To get this dog in a, in a state of being trained and behavioral issues and so on, all in, in, in line so that you have a really great dog that you don't have to be reprimanding all the time and it's going to be a good member of the family. It's a lot of work. And, if you, and unfortunately, I see so many people who don't do it and they've got dogs that are misbehaved and, and they're, they're, you know, whether it's just not being able to walk them properly or they're chewing p- things or jumping on people. They just didn't spend the time with the dog and you need to devote a lot when they're a puppy. And if you do that, you'll have a great dog for, you know, 10, 15 years. Yep, exactly. And, uh, and if you can't see yourself doing that, like you rescuing a dog, rescuing an adult dog. There's lots of dogs that can be rescued that don't have major behavioral problems. Yeah. So if you if you're not into that, then just trying to get a dog that needs a home. I feel like maybe the last thing just to mention is nutrition and mm-hmm. there's there's all kinds of opinions out there and again, just reiterating that I'm not a veterinarian or an animal nutritionist right. or anything else. I'm only just sharing my experience with dogs and and you the same with your dogs. But nutrition's a big deal as as far as you know how to create health and wellness in your pet my experience has been that for decades uh, I when I've had dogs throughout my life I've always fed them well actually you know I recall that when my when I was really young so that would have been in the 60s my brother used to work in a restaurant and bring home scraps from the restaurant and there was just a lot of meat and stuff that we got from different places and big old bones and stuff like that so our dogs got a bit of canned food and then a lot of just leftover human mm-hmm. food either cooked or raw and those dogs were were pretty healthy and had good lives the ones that we had a couple that got hit by car unfortunately but then in that middle section you know when I was in my 20s 30s 40s uh it was just dry food but I always got like uh when it was available organic good quality food I tried to find the very best food I could for my dogs but I was losing them at seven eight nine years old of Mm -hmm. cancers and things and my golden retriever died just turned eight and died of intestinal cancer and I was feeding him what was supposed to be you know probably one of the best foods out there 
I thought, oh, you know, when I get another dog, I just don't, can't go through this anymore. It's just awful seeing the suffering that happens. And so I called, it was actually, I was thinking of getting a Bernese mountain dog. Mm -hmm. So I called, but my friends, there was three different friends of mine that had them and they all died around six years old of of cancer. Oh, wow. Right. So I, I thought, well, I'd like to get a Bernese mountain dog, but I, I did some researching around and I found two breeders, one in Ontario and one in Alberta. And they talked about on their websites how their dogs were uh, had, you know, longevity because it, the Bernese Mountain Dog at that time was known for not living very long. So I was interested to see what was it the breeding or what was it that was having their dogs experience longevity and called both of them and had a long chat with both. Both of them fed their dogs raw food and they wouldn't let you buy one of their dogs unless you agreed to feed them raw food diet for their dog. Not that I think they could enforce that over time, but they wanted a commitment from you that you were going to feed them that way because they said that their dogs were living 13, 14, 15 years old, which is no, would be normal for that. It's kind of like a size of a collie, right? And so that's what twigged with me was it's diet. It, it's the diet. So I did a ton of research into it. Not very, not any or a very, well, no vets that I had been involved with were supportive of a raw food diet. And there's still lots that aren't supportive of a raw food diet for dogs. But, uh, but I just thought, I just intuitively knew that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. They're not eating real food it's like really when you think about it like if you open a bag of dog food and it can sit in your cupboard for five months or three months with whatever size a bag it is open and not or spoil. even just roll down yep. and not go bad I mean how healthy can that be it really is like feeding your dog Captain Crunch every day you know it there can't be if it's not a whole food, it can't be healthy any more than it is for us. It just makes perfect sense. But you, you kind of like to be blind to that because, oh, it's so convenient to just buy a big bag of dog food and scoop out a couple of cups into a bowl and away you go. Like my dog that died at eight, Tupper, he would he would eat his food and he'd drink like a gallon of water afterwards, always drinking water. And then it would all swell up in his belly. And because and, uh, I knew that because sometimes if he did get sick, you know, he's vomiting up all the kibble and it was like five times yeah, the size. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, I just didn't, that doesn't make sense that that could be good. It's just like the, the, the argument of butter versus margarine, right? Mm-hmm. Margarine can sit outside on your counter for ever and never go bad and butter won't keep very long outside of the coolness. I don't know if this is true or not but someone said that margarine is one molecule away from being plastic is that Uh, is that fiction or I don't know (laughs) I've never actually googled it or researched it Uh, I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate but it lends itself to the point that something that doesn't go bad at room temperature in a fairly short time isn't a whole food and isn't good for you well you don't want to eat that you know you know again and and we're you know I'm not talking about like an unopened coconut because it's it's hidden in the shell but for most foods if it doesn't go bad it, it it's probably not a healthy food to be eating so I just decided to like I, I adopted that logic for myself I thought that kind of makes sense for my dogs as well so Ozzy was my first dog that I fed raw food diet and uh, I got all my meat from Fenwood Farms it, he he ate venison and rabbit and chicken and all pasture fed animals all healthy raised animals he would get like the the, the he'd eat the necks like I give him chicken necks mm-hmm. and bones yep. and all like there's no problem they're perfect capable of eating bones and but it's uncooked right uncooked yes if you eat cooked bones that's big that's bad, that's bad. very dangerous they yeah, splinter. We should, yeah we they should probably mention can, that yes yeah, thank yeah. you for pointing that out because yeah. that those can splinter yeah. and pierce their intestines raw tract. bones only for your dogs raw bones only but you know they eat they eat they love eating the necks i get it's important that they get organs as well 
else. So I get them, you know, the, there's all kinds of nutrients that dogs need, but they all can be found in the meat and all the, um, the organs like the heart, uh, hearts and livers and, and kidneys and so on all have certain nutrients in them. The muscle meat part of it, mm-hmm. is, but not just muscle meat. They need car, like they get chicken carcasses as well. So they're eating all the bones and that. And chicken feet are really good because yep. that gives them all the conjointin and MSM. Yeah, for I, their, I give my their dog joints. feet. Yep. Yeah, they love chewing down on a chicken foot. It just made sense to me that you give them real food. And Ozzy thrived. Like he was his... He, he didn't, he didn't, like my other dog that ate the dry food, he was a golden retriever. Constant health problems, all kinds, like hot spots and itching oh, and yeah. hot spots were really bad because they're eating dry food and, and they're drinking, trying to drink enough water. I think it just sucks the moisture right out of them and creates these irritated hot spots. Yeah. So, so the dogs, you know, no dander problems, healthy skin, healthy eyes, healthy body. And Ozzy never saw a vet except once when he had a, a broken it broke a bone in his leg just a small one he didn't didn't have to be casted or anything but uh, that's the only time I took him to a vet until you know near the end of his life when he started having trouble with his yeah Yeah, like he was awesome and now my shepherds they're eight and a half now they're brothers from the same litter and they're they're the same thing they're not experiencing any health issues I had a, a, a German shepherd breeder say my one dog slash here would be lucky if he lived till age six he said this kid this dog's gonna have hip problems and and be Right, he said, he said that's a common it, thing with shepherds, yeah, right? He it's said squishy. he could see that in this dog, and he said he was the run to the litter, wasn't mm. he? And I said, yes, he was, but but he's as healthy as the other one, and both of them have never had any issues at all. So it, it's, you know, I expect to see a nice long life out of these guys as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, for those of us lucky enough to see them, they're gorgeous dogs. Like, they are just perfect they're dogs. on my instagram they are you they're all over your instagram yeah yeah at the lynn bravo yeah <laughs> there are, yeah, there's quite a few of them on there and yeah and i also it's, wanted to mention before that i was so glad that i got to meet ozzy a couple times mm-hmm. before uh his time came because he was such a sweet dog oh my god oh. he was such a wise old man oh. everyone loved him yeah like, he was just adored by so many people yeah. he was a great dog he really he, was special he, yeah I mean, i've had a lot of dogs but he was special. He yeah. really was. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so I do give my dogs mostly all raw uh, organs, bones, muscle meat, legs, necks, things like that. Mm. That's the majority of their diet. I do add a bit of kelp powder because uh, I don't feed them any sort of like dogs wouldn't, you know, the, the canine family wouldn't normally eat fish really. I don't think anyway, but I do grind up a bit of kelp because some dogs uh, have trouble with thyroid issues because oh, of lack okay. of iodine, just like we as humans, right. a lot, an awful lot of people have trouble with iodine levels. So I do, gr- I do powder up in my veggie mix, um, uh, some kelp seaweed into a powder. I just put a little bit of that in once one of their meals a day and also ground eggshells. And I do give them eggs now and then okay. as well. Eggshell, ground up eggshells and a little pinch of ginger. Because ginger is good for digestion. What do the ground up eggshells do? Well, they're good for calcium. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you, I wouldn't give them a calcium supplement no more than I would take a supplement as a human being of right. calcium. That's not a good thing to do. But I do give the dogs, like some people can feed their dogs the whole egg. But my dogs won't eat the egg. Like some dogs will love getting the whole egg and then cracking it and eating it themselves. Mine would never do that. So I give them the egg, but I grind up the shells a little bit for them and stick that in there. And a pinch of ginger. Otherwise, it's like, you know, 95% raw meat right. and bones. Mm-hmm. But just a few little things as added supplement that, that, that they get. And they've all been healthy as can yeah. be for years. So yeah. it's good. 
Well, I think that's uh, it for now. I think uh, hopefully we, oh, you know what I wanted to mention is, is that I'm not, I'm not going to talk about why not to have a dog because <laughs> I don't think I need to say that. Yeah. But there is one thing I'd like to mention to people because it, it is, it, it is uh, shown to be, a uh, can be a problem with dogs because right. I actually looked it up to see what the statistics were. I couldn't find the Canadian ones, but the American statistics for people falling over their dogs yes. and falling because of their dogs, mm-hmm. like either tripping over them or their dog yanks them in the wrong direction or whatever falls from caused by dogs i think it's eighty six thousand falls a year the cdc in the u.s said causing serious injury like broken hips and broken bones and so on happens because of tripping over cats and dogs not just dogs but cats and dogs yes and so um you know i've had many dogs in my life and i've never ever fallen or tripped because of my dogs but I think part of that is just that awareness right like when when the dogs sleep at night by my bed if I have to get up to go for a pee or something in the night uh, I'm aware that they may not be in their beds and so I just you know edge my way along or hold on to the bed or hold on to or just feel my way along just move slowly yeah move slowly and and just be like I just want to say to people you know be super aware of where your animals are when you do have them around uh, to prevent that especially elderly folks because the falls are so you know consequences of a fall is more serious when you're older but but you know it's 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 not a reason not to have a dog just wanted to stress the importance of that because falls are pretty common yeah yeah and I I have stumbled over my dogs many times (laughs) uh, usually in the kitchen because when I start cooking they love being sort of I even when I was I was making um this Portuguese Easter bread and I was just kneading the dough on the floor in a giant uh, bowl and they were just there watching right and you know I'm I know that they're there even when I go to the kitchen to cook now I'm very aware that they're there probably going to be behind me so I always looked before I move anywhere because it it is it's when you when I read that and saw that statistic I was like oh my I've tripped over my dog so many times (laughs) yeah so yeah it's something to definitely be aware of especially like you said for for, um, yeah. older so people. that's back to health and wellness for us exactly. as, the, as they're as they're humans. But that's literally but, the but, only drawback. Yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> other reason not to have a dog. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks, Tammy. I'm just I I knew it would be a delight to choosing you as my chat com- oh, chatting companion yeah. when it came to dogs because you share the passion like oh, I do. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Very passionate. Passionate about dogs and the golden girls yeah um. oh okay <laughs> <laughs> good to know yeah. uh, they, but you've got a dog curled up beside you on each side of you as you're watching the golden that's girls, right? like the perfect it's night like, like, right? yeah. it's the perfect night yeah yeah uh well thank you so much for sharing this discussion with me and uh i really appreciate you taking the time to to come in today yeah thanks. absolutely thanks all right If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.